With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Mind Over Murder podcast. My name is Bill Thomas. I'm a writer, consulting producer, and now podcaster. I am now trying to use my experience as the brother of a murder victim to help other victims of violent crime. I'm working on a book on the unsolved Colonial Parkway murders, and I'm the co-administrator of the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook group, together with Kristen Dilley. My name is Kristen Dilley. I'm a writer, a researcher, a teacher, and a victim's advocate, as well as the social media manager and co-administrator for the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook page with my partner in crime, Bill Thomas. Welcome to Mind Over Murder. I'm Kristen Dilley. And I'm Bill Thomas. And we're back with part two of the probable cause document against Alec Baldwin, Alexander Ray Baldwin III, if you want to go by the name given on the probable cause document. And this is in relation to the shooting on the set of Rust, which happened in October of 2021. So, Bill, can you recap for everybody what we learned last time, essentially? What we're seeing here is a pattern of just incredible recklessness and irresponsibility you see those words over and over again and negligent is used probably more times than i care to count yeah indicating that this is a troubled set with all kinds of violations of safety protocols and then just a reminder for our listeners there are two people who are being charged here alec baldwin who is producer and star of this low-budget western rust together with Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who is the armorer for this project. And she, of course, is the person responsible for the guns, but most importantly, gun safety for those weapons used on set. And there are two documents of this type. We're not going to read both of them because they're actually pretty close in terms of their wording. This document focuses on Alec Baldwin, a similar document with a lot of the same information focuses on Hannah Gutierrez Reed's responsibilities, which are highlighted in the Baldwin document as well. So when we left off, we had seen, as Bill indicated, this pattern of negligence. We are picking back up on the probable cause document. For anybody following along at home, we are now on page seven, and we are starting about midway down the page with on October 20th. On October 20th, 2021, the original camera crew resigned, citing safety concerns, commute times and distances, pay, and other issues. On October 21st, 2021, a new crew was brought in to begin filming right away. 
Evidence indicates that during the church scene in question, the director and director of photography should have been outside of the church viewing the scene from a large monitor covered by a tent or shade screen commonly referred to as Video Village. Statements indicate that Joel Souza and Helena Hutchins decided to be in the church with the camera crew due to the abrupt change of the camera crew. Evidence indicates that Baldwin failed to act to address any safety or continuity concerns with the new crew, causing a reckless situation to occur on the day of the shooting. So this is what we were talking about last time, Kristen. The entire camera crew, except for the director of cinematography, Helena Hutchins, have walked off set citing a number of problems. And again, here we are with the cutting corners and cutting costs. The crew was very unhappy and it had been reported in the trades that they were being forced to drive extremely long distances out to the set, keeping in mind that the hours are extremely long on film and television sets. And the cinematographer and the camera crew are on their feet and working almost every minute because these are visual media. So capturing the action, if you will, is absolutely essential and nothing really happens without the camera crew being on set, on their feet and working. So if you're then forcing them to drive an hour or more each way, which had been reported, at the end of a 12-hour day, this can be really exhausting when you're working six and seven day weeks day after day on your feet and then being required to stay a great distance. The crew had asked for additional pay, hotel accommodations closer to the ranch where the production was actually taking place. And they had expressed concerns about violations of safety protocol. These two accidental discharges that we talked about, that's guns going off when they weren't supposed to be. And People could have been hurt or killed at different times during the course of this production. So on the day of the terrible accident, I don't think it's a coincidence, as I mentioned before, that this terrible thing happened on a day when we had an inexperienced crew working with this production for the first time. Agreed. On the day of the shooting, evidence and statements show that impromptu plans were made to rehearse and then shoot a scene inside of the church. And for this particular scene, it was to only involve Baldwin. Evidence and statements show that the first AD, David Halls, was present on the set. As with Baldwin, evidence, common standards, protocol, and statements show that Halls had the additional duty of safety coordinator by virtue of his position. However, that position does not afford the handling or manipulation of firearms. Evidence and statements also show that Halls, by virtue of his position, is the first point of contact for an armorer when they bring a firearm on set and is the first person required to conduct a safety check with the armorer and weapon. Industry standards and procedures require that the armorer, in the presence of the first AD, show the weapon is clear and safe, then, if applicable, show the firearm is loaded with blanks or dummy rounds visually and physically checking each round individually for safety by pulling each round out of the firearm and showing the first AD and the actor. The first AD then follows the cue of the armorer calling cold or hot weapon on set, then broadcasting that statement across the radio, which notifies all cast and crew. Evidence sh clearly shows this did not occur on the day of the shooting at least two times. 
Baldwin failed to address these reckless incidents and deviations from industry standards and firearm safety rules directly contributing to the fatal shooting. Halls did not adequately check the firearm with Reed prior to handing it to Baldwin, who additionally did not check it with the armorer, Reed. This is what happens when you're cutting corners and you've got Baldwin, Halls, and Reed all failing to do their jobs. I know this must get repetitive to do these safety checks every single time, but this is how accidents are prevented. Double and triple checking that weapons are properly loaded with the right type of ammunition and not loaded with live rounds, which is exactly what happened in this tragic accident. Halls is further required to announce to crew when a firearm will be fired in the scene, i.e. announce fire in the hole or some other common phrase to put the crew on notice for shooting, loud noise, and hearing protection. The evidence and statements show that this requirement did not meet safety and industry standards and further shows that Baldwin failed to address and or mitigate this reckless and dangerous practice. Halls, again, by virtue of his position in industry standards and practices, is prohibited and or strictly discouraged from handling any firearm on set. As such, industry standards, policies, and practices calls for the armor to be on set and to stay on set anytime a firearm is on set. This practice and standard were not conducted on the day of the shooting and were allowed by Baldwin. Prior to lunch, statements and evidence show that Halls requested Baldwin's firearm be prepped and brought to the set by Armorer Reed. Reed states that she loaded the firearm with dummy rounds prior to lunch, so she did not perform a second safety check on her own or with Halls and the firearm, just showing him the barrel and not removing the bullets to show the firearm was safe. Then Halls took possession of the firearm from Reed. Reed departed the church. Halls provided Baldwin with the firearm so he could rehearse practice with the weapon, which, as we indicated last time, you're not supposed to do. However, there are contradictory statements that Reed brought an empty gun to Halls and at some point loaded it with dummy rounds while in the church. Reed then showed Halls the firearm. Again, Reed did not do a proper safety check with Halls or Baldwin. Reed then left the church. Reed leaving the set and Halls handling the firearm are considered very reckless actions according to industry standards, expectations, and common firearm safety protocols and considerations. There is no evidence or information that Baldwin addressed or acted to mitigate these reckless actions. In addition, for a rehearsal, a rubber or replica firearm should have been used. Only when the actual scene was to be filmed should the weapon have been loaded with dummy rounds, Baldwin, Halls, and Reed all knew this was standard protocol. After a while, you just don't know what to say. They're doing one stupid thing after another. All of this negligence by all three of these people is leading directly to a collision. Unfortunately, a very short period of time, we're going to have a fatal shooting on this set because of their negligence. Further evidence and statements show that when the crew took a break for lunch, firearms, including Baldwin's, were secured in the prop truck safe. Outside of the church was a cart used by the armorer and prop master, contrary to standard protocol, that contained leather gear and rigs like holsters, belts, and ammunition. Evidence clearly indicates this cart and associated items was not secured during the break 
and was not in visual range of Reed or Sarah Zachary for safety and security. The unsecured cart with equipment, ammunition, and firearms is considered very reckless by industry standards and by common firearm safety standards and protocol. Evidence indicates that Baldwin failed to act to address and or mitigate these serious and reckless safety violations. We talked about this earlier. These items are usually put on a two-level plastic cart, and the whole idea of the cart is that you can move the cart to wherever you need it to be on set. But at the same time, the cart, which has ammunition and guns on it, can be secured, that is, put inside a locked truck or the weapons themselves put inside a locked safe inside the prop truck. It just sounds like ammunition and weapons are just lying around, unsecured, Mm -hmm. and Reed and Zachary can't even visually see these items so that if somebody else could come along and mess with them, I'm not saying for any nefarious reason, but we'd heard in earlier reporting that cast and crew were out shooting bottles with live ammunition after hours on set using the same weapons that were being used to shoot the film. So dangerous. This idea of just leaving live ammunition, blanks and dummy rounds and weapons lying around while we're off taking a lunch break This is so unbelievably stupid. You're listening to Mind Over Murder. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back here at Mind Over Murder. Upon returning from lunch, evidence and statements show that Reed retrieves Baldwin's preferred revolver, but Reed does not perform another safety check. Additionally, Reed again is asked and complies with Halls by handing him the firearm once inside the church. There are also contradictory statements that Reed brought in the firearm empty, showed it to Halls, and ultimately later loaded it with dummy rounds. Regardless, the evidence is consistent that Reed failed to show Halls each dummy round and pull them out for safety, nor did Halls request it. Reed did not show Baldwin the loaded firearm either. Or did he request to see the rounds, which is standard protocol? Reed left the church. Evidence and statements also indicate that an after-lunch safety check of the firearms, to industry standard, between Reed and Halls did not occur. The after-lunch sequence of events is documented to have had no less than four extremely reckless violations of industry standards, safety, protocol, best practices, and common firearm safety protocols in a very short, compressed period of time. On the day of the shooting alone, evidence shows that no less than a dozen acts or omissions of recklessness occurred in the short time prior to lunch and the time of the shooting. And this does not include the reckless handling of the firearm by Baldwin by act or omission or failure to act in his position as a producer, directly contributed and or failed to mitigate numerous reckless and dangerous actions during a very short time period. 
They're pretty much burying him at this point. Yeah. Finally, industry standards protocols and common firearm safety protocols on movie sets require the armorer after conducting a safety check with the first AD to conduct a second safety check with the actor to be handling the firearm. This reckless violation of standards and firearm safety occurred two times leading up to the shooting and Baldwin failed to act to mitigate or correct the reckless safety violations, neither in his capacity as actor nor producer. The reckless deviation from known standards and practice and protocol directly caused the fatal shooting. Baldwin acted with reckless disregard and more than mere negligence in this incident. Baldwin acted with willful disregard of the safety of others and in a manner that endangered other people. And he clearly should have known the danger of his actions, which led to the death of Hutchins. Furthermore, Baldwin handled the weapon in a negligent manner. Evidence exists to show clearly that on October 21st, 2021, Alina Hutchins was killed when Baldwin fired a firearm that he pointed at her. The evidence and statements documented in this affidavit confirm many, bolded, instances of extremely reckless acts or reckless failures to act by Baldwin in a 10-day period. Evidence shows that none of the incidents or issues were addressed by Baldwin in his position as actor or producer to mitigate further occurrences of recklessness, correct reckless behavior, or correct training deficiencies. Baldwin's deviation from known standards, practice, and protocol directly caused the fatal death of Hutchins. By not receiving the required training on firearms, not checking the firearm with the armorer, letting the armorer leave the firearm in the church without being present, deviating from the practice of only accepting the firearm from the armorer, not dealing with safety complaints on set and or making sure safety meetings were held, putting his finger on the trigger of a real firearm when a replica or rubber gun should have been used, pointing the firearm at Hutchins and Souza, and the overall handling of the firearm in a negligent manner, Baldwin acted with willful disregard for the safety of others in a manner which endangered other people, specifically Hutchins and Souza. Baldwin clearly should have known the danger of his actions, which led to the death of Hutchins. Probable cause exists that Baldwin committed involuntary manslaughter contrary to and defined in NMSA 30-2-3, manslaughter in the commission of a lawful act which might produce death in an unlawful manner or without due caution and circumspection or during the unlawful act not amounting to a felony, to wit, negligent use of a deadly weapon. Signed, Robert Schilling, Special Investigator, First Judicial DA's Office, 327 Sandoval Street, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Very well stated. Hard to say how comfortable one might be in predicting the future. I think that Alec Baldwin will bring in very high-priced legal talent and will throw everything he's got at this series of charges because he understands just how much liability he's already facing here. There was a separate civil suit which has quietly been settled with Helena Hutchins' family. We don't know too much about that, but it appears that there was some sort of settlement and Helena Hutchins' widower, I was about to call him her husband, he's both, assumed one of the executive producer roles, which means he now has a financial interest in Rust. 
my guess is that it, there has also been a large payment to mm-hmm. Helena Hutchins, who was both a wife and mother. And obviously her husband is interested in seeing this production move forward because I think he wants to see his wife's work completed. I know there was a concern about providing for their children. Separately from that, there's the legal responsibility. It does appear that Dave Halls has agreed to plead guilty to some, I think, watered-down charges. It's a misdemeanor charge of negligent use of a weapon. Which is likely the result of him providing testimony indicating what was going on set in these substantial violations of safety protocols. Those would indicate legal liability on the part of Alec Baldwin and Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, because I think those three people are the ones that are most responsible for this terrible accident. It did say that under the terms of his plea agreement, he gets a suspended sentence and six months worth of probation. Now, I was interested, too, in the fact that apparently Hannah Gutierrez-Reed and Alec Baldwin are just playing it's his fault, no, it's her fault, no, it's his fault, no, it's her fault, back and forth, over and over. I guess I would expect nothing less. And uh, her lawyers basically said that the probable cause affidavit showed that the district attorney had completely misunderstood the facts and reached the wrong conclusions. I don't see there's a whole lot of room for misinterpretation there, but that's just me. No, I would, would have to agree. As we mentioned, there are mirror documents here The charging document for Hannah Gutierrez-Reed provides very similar details, and they are also charging her with manslaughter and the negligent use of a deadly weapon. And again, the willful disregard for the safety of others, which resulted in the death of Helena Hutchins and the injury to Joel Souza. It will be interesting to see as these two legal cases proceed My sense of it is that Hannah Gutierrez-Reed does not have the financial resources of an Alec Baldwin. It'll be interesting to see how these two parallel cases work out as they make their way through the legal process. It says here in the reporting from Variety, and this really is, I think, the best reporting that we've seen, that Alec Baldwin countersued Hannah Gutierrez-Reed He said that, oh, she's the one who didn't detect the live rounds. It's her fault. If you're Alec Baldwin and you're suing this 25-year-old who was under your direct supervision, what a cowardly and terrible thing to do, honestly. But this is how it's done. Yeah. Yeah. And the person with the resources, let's be frank, is going to do everything he can to protect his career and limit his liability. And he's going to do everything he can to push the legal responsibility away from him and put it squarely in Reed's lap. I think we're going to see a significant effort in the coming months to have her end up holding the bag, as it were. Just an absolute travesty for everybody involved. Unbelievable. It will be very interesting to see how this plays out and ultimately what will happen. I can't think of the last time that I remember hearing a major Hollywood star being accused of involuntary manslaughter. So I think it'll be very interesting here to see what does the legal system actually do with this guy who is very culpable. That is, that's an excellent probable cause document. It lays it out so clearly. 
I think there's no arguing that he is responsible for this. So now what is the legal system going to do with him? Is it going to do what it does with a lot of people with money and resources and give them a slap on the wrist? Or are we going to hold this guy accountable? Yeah. What do you do when the person that you're charging literally pulled the trigger and killed someone and injured another person? And it appears there's a pattern of willful disregard. It'll be very interesting to follow this case as it moves forward. Yeah, very much. That's going to do it for this examination of the probable cause affidavit in the Rust shooting. If you want more of our reporting on Rust, please make sure that you go back to October 2021 and check out our episodes that we covered on the shooting at that time. Get lots of industry insider info from Bill Thomas. That's going to do it for this episode of Mind Over Murder. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Mind Over Murder is a production of Absolute Zero and Another Dog Productions. Our executive producers are Bill Thomas and Kristen Dilley. Our logo art is by Pamela Arnois. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. Mind Over Murder is distributed in partnership with Crawl Space Media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also follow our page on the Colonial Parkway Murders on Facebook. And finally, you can follow Bill Thomas on Twitter at BillThomas56. Thank you for listening to Mind Over Murder. <laughs>